This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chineo Gwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is your October 30th episode, and we remain dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Please follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. Folks, today we have a real treat, just in time for Halloween, one of the best high-stakes fantasy football players in the world. It says it all in his Twitter bio. If you don't take risks, you will always work for someone who does. Nelson Souza of Numberball.com. Nelson provides great content, incredible content to help the fantasy players each week at Numberball. He has those weekly film breakdowns, seasonal DFS info, and especially his mentoring abilities, which have been documented as extremely successful for many years. Nelson's list of high-stake caches grows every year. We have multiple NFFC leagues wins, as well as the prestigious FFPC main event co-champion premier Follow him on Twitter at the underscore franchise 12. Nelson, a pleasure to have you back on the mailbag, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Mike. So I want to do a little rapid react with you from week seven. Let's go around the league and get your thoughts. Now, we'll get into your fade list every year, which is legendary. I wait like EF Hutton for that to come out. But one of the players that you really like was Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and certainly he paid off so far this year. Not with the touchdowns, but that's arbitrary. He got the volume. He was the lead back in Kansas City behind Patrick Mahomes. Everything was going well, but now they bring in Le'Veon Bell. So I'm curious, how do you break it down moving forward? Edwards-Alaire, Le'Veon Bell, how are their fantasy outlooks rest of the season? It's interesting because uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, when people were during the drafting season, there was – I think there was two like distinct uh, uh, camps, you know, one that was pro uh, CEH and then there was the other ones that were just looked at it as like he was getting drafted too early and, you know, they were fading him. And and I think it's kind of the same thing now with uh, the Bell signing with uh, Kansas City that th- there's – Quite a few guys that believe nothing happens to CEH. Uh, his value doesn't change. That Bell is going to Kansas City as a direct backup. And then there's the other side. You know, Kansas City's not signing Le'Veon Bell uh, just to 
hold the Gatorade bottle for uh, CEH. So <clears throat> my personal opinion is that it's not good for uh, CEH owners this year. I think Andy Reid, when he's got the opportunity to pick up one of those uh, elite uh, veteran running backs that maybe, you know, a little past, past their prime, but still very good in the pass game. He always takes that opportunity. LaShawn McCoy last year was the same thing. When people thought, hey, you know, you've got Damian Williams, you've got these young guys, why, why do you need to bring in LaShawn McCoy? And it's kind of the same thing with Le'Veon Bell. I believe that Bell is not washed up. I, I think he's going to have kind of a resurgence uh, playing for a good team again in Kansas City. And I think he's going to take a lot of the passing down work uh, from CEH. So it was kind of already the case anyway. So people look at it as like, you know, Bell's just taking the Darrell Williams role. But I don't know. I just don't think Kansas City signing Bell to, you know, play on passing down. So I, I think eventually you're going to see him cut into uh, CEH, try to keep him fresh. It's his rookie year. They're going to try to, you know, make sure that he holds up, you know, towards the end of the year. So that that's... That's my take on it, that it was kind of uh, insurance, but at the same time, I definitely think they're going to use them. So if you have CEH and you drafted him first round, RB2 expectation, PPR leagues, rest of season? Yeah, yeah, I'd probably say right around there. I mean, look look at last week. If he doesn't score that touchdown, you know, what does he really do in, in that game? You know, right. they, they basically pretty much split the touches. So... It, to me, I don't know. Like, I, I just think it's ugly. I, I if I'm C, uh, Ceh, if I if I have Ceh, I'm looking to unload him. I'm looking to to get rid of him. I, I don't want to deal with uh, that headache. We had a big battle, the unbeaten's Titans Steelers on Sunday. Steelers dominated for most of the game. Hold off the Titans, twenty-seven twenty-four. Want to go through a couple different players here, group of players, get your rest-of-season fantasy take. Let's start with the Steelers' wide receivers. So Deontay Johnson comes back. He was a smash in DFS, dominates, got hurt at the end of the game, but looks like he's going to be fine. Chase Claypool was eliminated, basically, and Juju Smith-Schuster had a revival. Where do you look at those three wide receivers? How do you handicap them now moving forward? My belief, when I'm watching these Steelers games, I really think that uh, you know Tomlin and – the offensive coordinator are not forcing the ball to Juju. I, I believe that they know what they have in Juju. They want to keep him healthy, and I think they want to see what they have in the secondary guys. I think they want to see what they have in Deontay Johnson, James Washington, and then Chase Claypool has been a you know a really pleasant surprise to them, and you know has looked like a beast out there. So I I really think that. They're just setting it up towards the end of the year for defenses to have to account for Claypool and Deontay Johnson. But I think Juju is going to be the guy that is going to end up getting his um, towards the end of the year. I, I think, you know, in crunch time, Big Ben is obviously going to go to the open receiver, but I think Juju is going to be the guy that defenses are going to kind of relax on and, um, he'll be able to take advantage of it. As far as, you know, right now from a, a week-to-week basis, I think you can you can start all three guys, really. 
you know, between Deontay Claypool and, and uh, Juju. Claypool, I don't think it's a situation where you, he just goes back to your bench. He played full snaps. He was out there on three wide receiver sets. You know, they just – they didn't go to him. You know, it was a Deontay game. So and, – and Juju also. So I just look at it as a situation that it's a very good offense and one to two of those guys are always going to get it done every week. You know, Corey Davis returned off the COVID list. And listen, not a ton of pass volume in Tennessee, but it is a consolidated target share, at least at wide receiver. A.J. Brown's a stud. He's going to get his. Davis comes back, catches a touchdown. He's on waiver wires in most leagues. It probably was picked up recently. But I think Corey Davis does have wide receiver three possibilities on a weekly basis, assuming the matchup is there. You know, they're going to play Pittsburgh. They played Pittsburgh. Derrick Henry's going to, you know, have some resistance by that run defense. So Corey Davis here doesn't excite us, has disappointed us since he's come in the league. Everyone focuses on A.J. Brown. Is Corey Davis worth a, a waiver wire look and someone that you can plug in here in certain matchups as a wide receiver three? Yeah, I, I think, you know, Davis doesn't get the respect um, that – that maybe he should, um, but I agree with that. I, I think Corey Davis is definitely a pickup if he's available this week because, listen, when Tennessee, whatever team Tennessee is playing, the number one goal is to stop Derrick Henry. So, you know, secondary is going to be, got to account for A.J. Brown. Corey Davis is kind of the kind of the odd man out in terms of, like, defense priorities. You know, he's kind of like, you know, number three or four behind Janu Smith. So um, I think Davis is going to have, you know, those type of games where you can definitely start him as a wide receiver three. And you transition perfectly into Janu. Here's my question. Tight end is so difficult right now. Week to week, it's hard to put someone in. Now, he was injured, didn't have a great game. But moving forward here, Janu Smith, how do you view him in fantasy? Because if you look at his targets – He's not getting a ton of targets, but his efficiency is off the charts. Only has 20 receptions this year. That's 16th among all all tight ends, but he does have five total touchdowns, which ties for first. Fantasy points, he's 12.4 in PPR leagues. That's fifth. Jonu Smith, I just think if you have him, you're rolling with him. Given what's out there in tight end and what you're going to try to plug in off the waiver wire, like an Eric Ebron, somebody like that, I think you're rolling with Jonu, right? Even though he's not getting a ton of volume. Yeah, I mean, I I had – a couple, this question posed by a couple of guys um, that subscribe to my um, mentorship program, and you know what I explain to them is it's kind of like the the whipsaw effect where you, you're you're so disappointed in your tight end that you played and put up you know zero or two points that the following week you're you're cutting him or so frustrated that you're you're streaming another tight end and then he has a blow up game and and it just goes back and forth so i i actually think that you know if you've got Chanu exactly like you said you just play him because the a lot of these tight ends are the same thing you just you're going to play them they're going to get you you know single digit points and you're just frustrated, but you just got to, you know, as long as they're out there on the field and and they're getting opportunities. So there's opportunity there for fantasy production. So that's how I look at it. it, it you know, it's just frustrating dealing with it because 
there, there's just not many, you know, consistent options out there. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account anytime, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Hello, folks. Colin Kelly here from Rotoviz Overtime, a podcast I host along with Sean Siegel. And in just a little moment, we'll jump straight into the podcast. Before we do so, I want to let you know as a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% of a Rotoviz NFL pass right now on the rotoviz.com website. It gives you access to all of our content and tools. All you have to do is add the code 2020RVRadio at checkout or by going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. And of course, while you're listening to the podcast on the network, helps us out a lot if you can rate and review on your favorite podcast app. I really do appreciate that. As I mentioned at the start, Road of His Overtime with Sean Siegel twice a week. If you haven't already checked it out, be sure to do so after this show. But let's get straight into it. Enjoy the podcast. And the last game that jumped off the page from, from week seven, Washington 22, Dallas 3. Now, obviously, great story, Ron Rivera battling cancer. But I want to focus here on Dallas. How bad are the Cowboys? 0-7 against the spread. Could tie a record here since the merger going 0-8. Only the 91 Bengals, 2003 Raiders have done that. I want to start with Ezekiel Elliott. He's getting the volume. He's getting the opportunities. He's being used in the passing game. But there's questions at quarterback. He's missing both of the offensive tackles here. I get it. Ezekiel Elliott, and I brought this up last week to Chris Raybon. He laughed at me. Are you trying to move him for like a Joe Mixon, or you're pretty much saying, you know what, he's getting the volume, we're just going to have to deal with it because their offense looks in shambles? I uh, Listen, Andy Dalton is not Dak Prescott. Anyone you know that thought that the offense was just going to move along uh, similar to what they were doing with Dak um, is kind of silly. But I am – in the mindset that Andy Dalton is a professional quarterback. He was able to get it done. He was actually fantasy relevant at certain points with Cincinnati as their quarterback. A.J. Green was able to hold wide receiver one value. Um, My thinking is that they'll get it together at some point. But like you said, keep in mind, the offensive line is just in shambles right now. Um, they've got to get those guys healthy. They've they've kind of have to figure out, you know, hey, these defenses are not respecting us right now. They're blitzing the heck out of us. Um, and they faced a, a really tough front seven. You know, I said this earlier in the year that one of the defenses, especially the front seven, 
that impressed me the most was Washington's front seven. Really sneaky. You mm-hmm. know, people look at, oh, Washington football team, uh, you know, trash, garbage. You, you know, they don't get enough respect. That front seven is nasty. So it really didn't surprise me that they were able to manhandle Dallas in that offensive line. My thinking is, listen, I always tell people I hate selling low on guys unless I know there's just no hope for a rebound. And I'm just not selling Zeke for like Joe Mixon. I'm I'm not going to go and just make that trade off because Joe Mixon and his offensive line and and that whole situation is no better. So – in, in terms of you know surrounding talent, you're you're not going to convince me that Cooper Lamb Gallup with Schultz is worse you know is worse off than you know Tyler Boyd with Higgins and AJ Green and that Burrow yes he's going to be a stud he's going to be great at quarterback that he's so much better than Andy Dalton and that offensive line is just so much better than Dallas that. I want to make that trade-off. That just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. Got a question here from Sonny in Florida. How about my Bucks? Great offense, elite defense. The Godwin injury last weekend is now killing my fantasy team. I want to know how things play out when Antonio Brown arrives. Will he affect not only the wide receivers, but Gronkowski, Fournette, or Jones? Give me a breakdown here on the Bucks, Nelson. I know you had something to say about this on Twitter, and it looks so far like you're pretty prophetic. With it. Listen, I, I was kind of – it was more of a tongue-in-cheek uh kind of thing where, you know, I, I told people that uh, I warned them about Chris Godwin. Obviously, if if people can kind of read between the lines and, and understand my sarcasm, um, you know, I, I have, you know, some Chris Godwin shares. So, you know, that injury was bad for me. You know, him missing week eight here is, is not a, a great thing for me. I, but, you know, between Godwin, Beckham Jr., it was just one of those weeks where it was like, what the heck? Because, you know, I, I have those guys. So it's like it, it's these injuries that you kind of have to, you know, resort to laughing at, you know, kind of joking about it, before, you know, rather than getting all, you know, upset, angry or, or cry or go, you know, uh, ball up in a corner and cry. So, uh, you know, that was my thinking behind it. But. My my original tweet was the fact that with the Antonio Brown signing, I think it's bad for for Chris Godwin, um, and and I think Mike Evans, the situation with him is that he's dealing with a hamstring injury. He's not a hundred percent healthy. Uh, Godwin is also banged up, and yes, very impressive the game that he was able to pull off last week because when I'm watching. The, the games, and then I go back on Mondays, and I usually rewatch the games. And if I'm looking for something in particular, what I can tell you right now is that Chris Godwin is rounding off his routes. He's actually not running uh, crisp, clean routes, and it's and it's actually sh- wow. it, it it shows up in Brady's body language. So when when Brady's throwing to him, there was one play. It was like it was like third down. It was like third and six. And it was a quick out and he rounded it off and he wasn't where Brady wanted him. So the throw, you know, was off and 
you could see Brady's body language where he's just staring at him and he's like, what the heck? Like, that's not where you're supposed to be. So that tells me that like, you know, the dude is still dealing with, you know, his leg issue and, and hamstring issue from earlier in the year. So when Bruce Arian says, hey, Antonio Brown was not part of the plan, but we brought him in because, you know, I'm worried about Scotty Miller and Evans and God. He, he's telling the truth, you know, that, that that's, you know, part of the case. But obviously Brady has a great rapport with Brown. Um, in their short time together in, in New England, I think Brady really, you know, Brown's a professional receiver, elite receiver, elite route runner. And that's what Brady likes. So he, he's not so much, you know, worried about everything else. It's the route running, knowing, hey, when I throw it, you're going to be where I need you to be. So that's my thinking. My thinking is that that's Brady's guy. He wanted him since day one. And I think that he's going to have a rapport with Antonio Brown and the other guys are going to take a little bit of a back seat. But with that said, Brown joining the group is going to kind of help everyone. But I, I, I really think that it's going to take some time because these guys are banged up. Time for your favorite topic, Nelson, David Montgomery. <laughs> now, your, your criticisms have been totally fair. And you were tweeting out at the game against the Rams. I mean, he shows no wiggle in the open field. He's going one-on-one, and we know how it's going to end. But my question is this. Hear me out. Because there's been carnage at the running back position across the league, he is set up to have volume. There's no Tariq Cohen. Corderell Patterson is just a, a Swiss Army knife player. And his fantasy schedule end of the year is incredible. The first two home matchups, Detroit and Minnesota, very favorable. Lions allowing 145 rushing yards per game. In the fantasy championships, they face the Jaguars, which is certainly the most attractive opponent you can have. So here's my question. I get it with Montgomery, but is he a guy in this season with all the carnage at running back who could be fantasy relevant even though we just don't like him as a player. I listen, I get it and I it, and you you set it up perfect as far as in terms of like how possibly David Montgomery being good at the end of the year with the schedule and everything. I just I just don't see it. I just even with the matchups and everything okay. and the volume, he's just – he's the definition of like that, you know, just jag kind of player that is getting volume. He's like – he's Jordan – What did you call him? An electric Bishop Sankey? <laughs> you called him something I, – <laughs> I, I said he's a somewhat successful Bishop Sankey. <laughs> I mean that – that's listen when i was tweeting i was really like it wasn't just like you know tweeting to try to be funny that's what he reminds me like when i watch these games you know i i you know sometimes like certain players come to mind uh whether it's like in a positive light or a negative light and <laughs> montgomery just reminds me of like bishop sankey like that that guy that just he's just blah like he, he just gets volume that's it like he's just he's got no chance like 
you know, one-on-one with a linebacker, he's got no shot of avoiding that linebacker. Um, it, it just, yep. you know, to me, he's just not very good. Like he's Jordan Howard all over again, you know, where I wasn't a Jordan Howard fan uh, when when he first came out and he had like this great year and I, and I was like in shock and I'm like, how? Like, how is this happening? <laughs> you know, but like... Jordan Howard over the years has shown his true colors. You know, that, that was, that was my take on him. So like when scouting him, you know, I was thinking like, okay, Jordan Howard is like just a guy and I'm not afraid of fading this guy. And Montgomery, you know, falls in that group. I, I get it. Volume is king in fantasy, but I, I rather trade, you know, I'd rather trade him away. Everything you said, Mike, I would put that in an email form and, and, and send off that trade offer <laughs> as like the convincing factor of why you should take David Montgomery off my hands. Very fair. Totally, totally fair. I look forward to seeing how it's going to go because I'm with you. He's in the open field. You're, I, in my mind, I hear you. <laughs> in my head, I, I can't get you out. One-on-one, I go, he's going down. And I could hear you smiling through the television. A guy who's not going down the open field is Chase Edmonds. He finally gets his chance here. Kenyon Drake is out. Cardinals moving forward with Chase Edmonds. Now, last year he had his chance. I think it was the Giant game. Had three touchdowns, exploded, then he got hurt. So Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds, put your crystal ball, look at your crystal ball, tell me what you're, what's going to happen here rest of the season. What do you think? If Drake comes back. Is it going to be 50-50? Listen, a good friend of mine uh, has – uh, a connection with Arizona, and it, I, I mean, it, it, it kind of seems like I'm I'm stating something that's Captain Obvious, because it was reported out there that uh, Drake was in a walking boot during the preseason, and uh, so it, it it all adds up. But you know, all of a sudden, it was kind of like, oh, Drake's back practicing, no walking boot, and he's not even on the injury report for Week One. So people were just you know, okay, safe to draft him, you know, draft away. But my my friend had told me that, you know, listen, from what I'm hearing, just stay away. He's nursing some type of injury. It, it could linger into the season. Um, you know, he's one of those guys, you know, you're, you're better off just shying away. So I followed that advice. And when watching the games, you can see that he doesn't have that same explosion um, that he did at the end of last year. Like last year, he would get to the edge and he was he was upfield quickly before any defensive ends or, or linebackers could catch him. So that's not the case this year. You can see that you know something is off this year. Um, obviously, it it doesn't help that you know Kyler is running way more than he was last year, but there's an injury there. And, you know, and now he suffered a, you know, high ankle sprain. Um, the way I see it, when Chase Edmonds is on the field, he just looks better than Drake. So I don't see how Drake comes back from this and it's not a 50-50 uh, timeshare. So that, you know, that's my feeling on it. I, I just don't, you know, Drake had a, a great game against Dallas, but everyone has a great game against Dallas. So I, I kind of take it with a grain of salt there. 
And teams' actions tell us what we need to know. He was, a, like you said, a massive part of the receiving game in those eight games last year. And since day one, he has not been. So could it be the injury? Could it be them seeing something that we're not? Absolutely. But Edmonds has a chance here. He stays healthy. He's going to smash. And listen, if Drake goes out, there's always Eno Benjamin. Right, mm-hmm. Nelson? Yeah, Absolutely. Week 8 waiver wire pickups. I want to get your thoughts on some plays here. A guy I targeted in several leagues was Trey Burton. Listen, Trey Burton has failed. He's frustrated fantasy owners. But with Phillip Rivers there, the check down guy in Indianapolis, Trey Burton has looked good. He's gotten a lot of volume the last couple weeks. And in a wasteland of tight end, I kind of like Trey Burton here. And I think he's going to have some consistent. I could see him getting a consistent four receptions a week here. Rest of season. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, they're finding creative ways of using Burton, and and I think they kind of alluded to it that when they acquired Burton in the offseason that they were going to – he was going to be a part of the offense, and then he got hurt. I, I think what you're seeing is he's playing kind of like that Paris Campbell role because that's what I envisioned for Campbell was they were just going to find unique ways, get him involved in the offense, and – I don't see that changing. I mean, you got Philip Rivers at quarterback. He doesn't throw downfield anymore in his career. Um, and what you're seeing is like Trey Burton is kind of like a uh, uh, poor man's tight end version of Keenan Allen. It's a good call. I, I think that's what you're seeing right now. Really good call. San Francisco, Tevin Coleman, out. Raheem Mostert, out. Jeff Wilson, big DFS game last week, out. Now we have the Niners facing Seattle. Jamichael Hasty, go. Jamichael Hasty, I think, is going to be very relevant, uh, maybe for two weeks here. It all depends if when Coleman comes back, but I think that Coleman might not be back this week. So Hasty is a guy that you, I think, if you need a running back RB two, especially like with James Robinson on a buy and David Johnson on a buy, a lot of these running backs. You know, I would plug and play Hasty here. He looks good to me. I agree. Looks looks good. I passes the eye test. And another Colt here. Last one. Move on. I am waiting, Nelson, for the T.Y. Hilton game. I am at home. I know he's looked like dust. I just feel there's going to be a blow up. It's coming. I'm waiting for it. Almost like we waited for the Will Fuller game last year and got rewarded. But I'm starting to have my doubts. The Bengal game was the one that frustrated me. And the reason that he's not getting the targets or the production seems to be Marcus Johnson. Is there some path here for Marcus Johnson or is T.Y. going to pop at some point? I, I just don't – I don't see it, man. I, I I just think that, you know, Philip Rivers is locking on to – a couple of guys, and he's just finding the open receiver, and it's a situation where that offense does not view T.Y. as like, okay, he's the alpha number one. They rather use T.Y. as like, you know, all right, let's let's kind of, you know, scare defenses a little bit, you know, with T.Y., let's run him downfield, um, you know, draw the attention away, and they're content you know, with running that type of offense. So I've been waiting for that T.Y. blow-up game, but I just don't – maybe it happens in the second half. Maybe he takes off. Maybe they adjusted – you know, they made some adjustments here in their bye week, but I just don't – I don't see it. 
Nelson, so much great advice you give every year. And I wait, like everyone else, with bated breath for the fade list. And your fade list always, never disappoints and is always accurate. There's a ton of guys that have gone right in the fade list this year. And I just want to get your thoughts on how you knew it wasn't going to go well and what you think about them rest of the season. First one is Evan Ingram. You know, he was a guy that was preseason. And when you're looking at his draft rankings, tight end five, tight end six, somewhere there. He was a guy who was on your fade list, didn't think it was going to go well, and it certainly has not because he's basically turned into a five-yard out guy despite the incredible workout metrics. Talk about Evan Ingram, what you saw, and and is he getting traded? Is that what he needs to to get a jump start here? Let me just say that a lot of these guys that go on my fade list are actually guys that, as far as like individually talent-wise, I like a lot of them. But that's not – like I don't – discriminate like I I look I try to look at the situation that they're involved in and what their ADP is and a lot of factors go into me putting them on the fade list so Evan Ingram love the talent I'm not disputing that I've always liked Evan Ingram my issue was the coaching staff that ended up with New York uh, Giants I didn't have confidence that they would know how to use Evan Ingram and it's showing, it's proving, you know, that it, that, you know, prediction was correct. That, you know, Garrett just, man, he, he just looks like he's just totally lost. You know, he was lost with the Cowboys and I just can't believe, you know, I kind of almost wanted to be wrong on Evan Ingram. I, I don't own him. I mean, I, I, I did fade him, yep. but I kind of wanted to be wrong. Like, you know, okay, Garrett, like you figured it out. You figured out that, you know, Evan Ingram is, you know, a seam stretcher and you got to throw downfield uh, to him, put him, you know, match him up on a linebacker, take advantage of that, or match him up on a safety where he's just bigger than the safety and take advantage of it. But they're not. They're not using him. So um, to answer the second part of it, yes, I think that if a team trades for Evan Ingram, I think it's because that team has a need and they're going to know how to use him. I mean, you know, an example would be like New England Patriots. Perfect example of like Belichick sitting down with uh, Casario and Josh McDaniels and saying, okay, how do we jumpstart this offense? Evan Ingram. We McDaniels would be like, I know how to use Evan Ingram. Get him here in the locker room and we're going to be able to stretch the field. Cam Newton knows how to use his tight end, you know, from his days with Greg Olson in Carolina. So, like, that would be, like, an ideal landing spot where I would say, like, okay, Evan Ingram went from dust to he could finish as, like, a top five tight end the rest of the year. Yep, outhouse to the penthouse for sure. It it drives me nuts when players I love appear on your fade list. I was so frustrated when I saw Jonathan Taylor. I mean, listen, he's going to hit the preseason over rushing yard prop of 700. Marlon Mack goes out. He's going to get there. But I will say I keep waiting for the big Jonathan Taylor week. And I'm waiting. He's getting involved in the passing game, but it's still not there. Offensive line in Indianapolis has disappointed. They're still mixing in other running backs. Jonathan Taylor, how'd you know and what do you think rest of the season? Well, it was 
it was a situation where I just knew that they weren't going to just hand the whole role to Jonathan Taylor. And that was the case to begin the year with Mac. Um, obviously Mac got hurt, but if Mac was healthy right now, it, it would be more of a 50, 50 split. I, be- I, agree. I believe, yep. um, if he was still here. So he's kind of, you know, with Mac, the Mac injury, Taylor's been more involved than what he was actually going to be. Um, but still, with, with this coaching staff, it, it's just a situation where I believe that Hines was always going to be involved. They've brought in Wilkins, although the the game before the bye week, Wilkins really wasn't involved, but it was more Hines uh, than anything uh, that was involved in that game. But the other thing I'm noticing too, like in watching the games early on, Taylor Taylor's vision uh, is is just poor right now. Um, what I'm seeing is like he's had some opportunities to hit an, an open gap and pick up like 20, 25 yards easily, and he's just showing poor vision. He's he's just kind of hitting into the line, not being patient, and it could be just a rookie adjustment. Um, to the NFL, and maybe the the game slows down for him a little bit. But right now, it, it looks like just kind of you know games too fast. It, it's going too fast for him. So I I don't know if you know that's going to change. And last guy here, AJ Green. What a roller coaster! Certainly has not been as involved as we thought early on. Had the two consecutive weeks there where he was potentially mouthing on the sidelines. Why don't they just trade me? But the last couple weeks has been, have been promising. I don't know why he hasn't been traded to Green Bay yet, Nelson. They just signed the Packers. We just found out right now, Seth Roberts. So that's their big move there, at <laughs> wide receiver. But A.J. Green, what do you think? You had him on the fade list, and you were correct, although he's hanging on by a thread here last couple weeks because of volume. Yeah, I mean, he he's another guy that probably would benefit from a, a change of scenery, but he's an older receiver that's battled injuries the last few years, and just those kind of guys just don't excite me. Um, I rather just fade them instead of dealing with the headache of, you know, what do you do with them? He's, you know, do you start him? If you don't have the confidence in starting him, then what, what's he doing on your, you know, bench? You know, is he filling in during your bye weeks? You know, type of situation. It's just, you know, he's just there. So I, I don't see, you know, those big games coming out of him. You know, if he stays in Cincinnati, I, I think, you know, Burroughs is going to use, you know, Boyd and Higgins seem to be like his boys, you know, and then they're going to use, the, you know, the running backs. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not feeling him. He, he's just a, he's just there. He's just a guy. I am honored that I have one of the greatest flag football coaches on the East Coast on the podcast today. I am curious. You have been very accomplished. Your kids are dominating. What song do you give them to get them ready? What's the pump-up song here for flag football, Nelson? What what do you have to get them in the mindset to go out there and dominate? Yeah, so my, my oldest son especially, they, they both play. So I've got two boys, and they both play flag football, but I coach my oldest son's uh, flag football team, and the song that he likes to listen to as soon as we get in the truck, you know, that pumps him up getting ready for the game is uh, Here Comes the Boom by Nelly. Yes, from, uh, wow. The, the Longest Yard. <laughs> 
Excellent. Very good. That's what I wanted to hear. That's what I, that's what I'm going to put on before I do my DFS lineups every week now. Because <laughs> if it's working for you, it's it's good enough for me. Yes. To settle the debates here, Nelson. I'm going to give you two players, same team, same position, who people want to know who do you like better rest of season for fantasy. Darius Slayton or Sterling Shepard? Now, look, Slayton has struggled against some really tough cornerback matchups earlier in the year. But Shepard came back, and with the struggles for Daniel Jones, those short to intermediate routes are going to be open for him. You have a preference here, Slayton, the big play threat, or Shepard rest of the season? I, I like Shepard. You know, I, I feel like those intermediate routes, those short routes, uh, is kind of like his bread and butter. I think that's what uh, Jason Garrett and the offense kind of, you know, wants to run. Um, they're just not, you know, Slayton had that big breakout game week one. Uh, I believe against Pittsburgh, you know, where he, yep. he had a couple of long touchdowns, uh, you know, that was, you know, kind of exciting. Like, oh, wait a minute, you know, are they going to open up the offense? Nope. It's right back to boring, you know, dink and dunk offense. And they can't really run the ball with any consistency. So th- that's kind of what I see is like Shepard's kind of like the move the chains kind of guy. Down in Miami, it's two a time. We know Fitz would feed his, his top wide receiver, which was usually Devontae Parker. But Preston Williams looks fully recovered from last year's injury, the ACL tear. So Parker or Williams here with two are moving forward. I mean, I'm, I'm going to lean Parker, but we really don't know uh, what to expect with uh, Tua. I mean, he, he, might, he might end up liking Mike Gesicki. You know, and Gasicki goes from yep. like the dead to, you know, fantasy relevant here in the second half. So, uh, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm always going to pick Parker over Preston Williams, but, you know, uh, I don't know if he's going to have a rapport with Tua. Wrote my stacks article last week, loved Bridgewater at New Orleans, put him with Robbie Anderson, and the DJ Moore explosion occurs. Anderson is the clear wide receiver one. He's getting more targets. He's getting more looks. But Moore has been hitting the big plays recently. You lean one way or another here rest of the season? Um, not necessarily. I, I think that's what you're going to see is that you're going to have that trade-off. And Anderson's going to be you know, relevant the rest of the year. So DJ Moore, he'll have his occasional you know, big game. But like, for example – if I own DJ Moore in a trading league right now, I would be looking to package him and, and make some type of trade and upgrade it like running back or something like that coming off that big game because I think it's going to be a little bit inconsistent. Thank you, Teacher Time Nelson. Uh, most popular question here on the mailbag. Give a shout out to someone in your K-12 years that had a big influence on you as a person or a student. Just a thank you here with all the issues going on in schools with COVID across the country. I'm going to say that it, it's going to be my uh, freshman year in high school, uh, Mr. Lato. Uh, he was in accounting and I, I was kind of a, I was kind of a shithead, uh, growing up. <laughs> and, and I, I really wasn't one of those kids that really applied myself in school. And, you know, he was one of those guys that was just, you know, would have those like frank conversations with me, like, you know, hey, Hey, listen, get, get your shit together, get your act together. Um, you, you know, be, you know, become something of yourself. Um, and, and that really helped me because I, I wasn't into like, like algebra and like geometry and like all those classes, like I just wasn't into it. And the accounting actually, 
I, you know, I got to thank him because like that really interested me. And then him just kind of, you know, helping me along through the years. So, you know, it was kind of like accounting 101 and then accounting advanced, you know, through my years, I'd probably say that he sticks out the most as like a teacher that really helped me guide me a little bit. Love the math teachers here. Absolutely. DFS time, my friend. Let's win a million dollars. I want to go position by position. Look at each spot and tell me a guy that you think is a little bit under the radar who has big upside. Now, we'll start at quarterback. I'm running my my optimizer lineups here for the upcoming week, and the two quarterbacks that keep popping up, Derek Carr at Cleveland, Jimmy G, of course, against Seattle because of the defenses there. Do you trust either of those guys, or is there another quarterback this week? Dare I say Phillip Rivers at Detroit, somebody you think, you know, lower-tier guy that could have a, a big week here for, for Daily Fantasy? Holy crap. I can't believe you mentioned those two guys because, honestly, like in tournaments, like a, a big GPP, that's who I would want to go right. with is Carr or Jimmy G. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to have a lot of ownership. Both are on the road here. Jimmy G doesn't have the weapons, but you know Shanahan's super creative. He'll find ways to get Tyu. Kittle, of course, is an issue there as well. So if you had to pick one, who do you like there? Carr, Jimmy G? I'm probably going to go Jimmy G only because I think with Russell Wilson, Seattle, they're going to kind of force the issue. They're going to score points. So that's kind of what you want to see on the opposite side you know, for your quarterback uh, wide receiver, tight end stack. Let's go to running back. This is always the key question. Do you go with the chalk like a Dalvin Cook is coming back? I'm asking if you're not here. If you're going to avoid that, who are you going to go with here that's a little cheaper? There's questions about the Melvin Gordon revenge game. Miles Gaskin coming off a bye. Hasty, you mentioned. Who's a running back here you like here, a cheaper guy that could pop? I mean, the the two cheap guys that stick out to me, um, especially, again, in a tournament, Rather than eating the chalk, I'm probably going to go with the two revenge game guys. I'm going to go Le'Veon Bell and Melvin Gordon. Yeah, that, and that that is the big revenge there. Le'Veon Bell, I mean, God, you know they're going to want to feed him at the goal line. That's an excellent one. Le'Veon Bell here on DraftKings. DraftKings this week is interesting, only $10. Le'Veon Bell carrying you know the price tag here. He looks to be four four point six k, so that's a great call there for a low value guy. Wide receiver, you always look for the big play with the wide receivers, right? Just not typically you want to spend up at such a volatile position where one or two big plays, like a Henry Ruggs a couple weeks ago, could really get you the value. Rashard Higgins, Brandi Ayuk, is there another guy here, cheap wide receiver you like? Uh, he he's more you know mid priced, but I'm waiting for the Marquise Brown like real blow-up ah, game. Ah, yes. And I don't think anyone's going there w- with him. And Pittsburgh's shown that, you know, they can be beat and they've given up big plays to wide receivers this year. So that would be kind of like a sneaky guy. And then on the, the cheap end, it would probably be like a Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, and he's gotten targets. That's a great call with Brown. People are going to see that, and the Pavlov dog reaction is going to be Good defenses, low scoring. Absolutely. You can beat that Pittsburgh secondary. They're home. They're coming off a bye. He's he's real high in air yards, uh, uh, Marquise Brown. That's a great, great call. Last one here, tight end. Always uh, in an interesting area we try to navigate. Where are you going on tight end here for a value? Got to go with the revenge game. Let's go Jimmy Graham against New Orleans. 
Ah, very good. Excellent. Yeah, he had his reception total was two and a half the other night, just way too low. He's a guy that they do look for, especially in the red zone. Excellent calls across the board. Time for redraft lightning around here, Nelson. Give me the better PPR play in week eight. So we'll go rapid fire. Let's start with the big backs. Kareem Hunt at home against the Raiders. Davin Cook coming back off of injury at Green Bay. Kareem Hunt. Better rookie wide receiver. Brandon Ayuk, we talked about at Seattle. Debo's going to be out. Or T. Higgins at home against Tennessee. Brandon Ayuk. Better tight end play. Hayden Hurst, I can never get him right. At Carolina on Thursday. Or Jared Cook at Chicago. Jared Cook. And last one, better flex play. Devin Singletary versus the Patriots. Think that They're certainly going to need a win in the worst way there. They're going to, not going to want turnovers. Or Justin Jackson at Denver. Justin Jackson. I want to talk about movies. I love the surprise endings. Memento, Seven. Peter Overzet came on the other night, and I, he told me about Get Out. I stayed up till 4 in the morning watching it. What's your favorite movie here with, like, a surprise ending, a twist at the end? Uh, probably The Sixth Sense. Ah, good one. Good one. Excellent. New question that we started last week, looking for a spread pick here. Week 8 against the spread pick. Favorite underdog. What's one that you're targeting here? Uh, probably the right now it, it's still early in the week, but I like the Steelers plus three and a half. Interesting. I curious. I like the Ravens in that game. Is it cause it's the hook at three and a half? Would you like it if it was less or do you, you think it's a game that the Steelers are going to win outright? No, if it, if it was less, I, I probably wouldn't like it as much. And I usually, I, I look for the game where if, if I like an underdog, I just take the money line and I mean, yeah. I'm not confident. Uh, that the Steelers are going to just pull off this, you know, pull off the win. But I don't know. I mean, the Steelers look good right now. And Baltimore, I didn't think, you know, hasn't really impressed me just yet uh, this season. Even they're, they're a very good team. So don't get me wrong. But I, I feel like they've kind of, like the offense still is not, you know, doesn't look great. I think the defense is definitely beatable, especially with this Pittsburgh offense. You know, they got a lot of weapons to contend with. So I, I just think that it's going to be a close game, and I could see where, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, if if they lose, they're going to lose by, like, you know, single digits. I, I, I like that three and a half right now. Great stuff as always. Nelson, last question, then I'll get you out of here. We've gone away from the question of who would you cut the cord on. Now that we're entering the second half of the fantasy season, who is the guy who you think can be acquired that is going to be a fantasy league winner? That can be a running back. It can be wide receiver, any position. But somebody here who you think is gettable, you know, obviously if you if you said Christian McCaffrey, that makes sense. But it's got to be someone who reasonably you think can be acquired at the right price that's going to dominate here and, and win fantasy leagues for, for people. I'm going to have to double down on my boy from – since the preseason, I, you know, I've been kind of pumping him up saying that he was going to be like a top three running back this year. And just based on how he's looked, how they've used him, I believe that to be true if other factors weren't in play. And that's Miles Sanders. Yep. And I believe that if the off, and I know it's a lot of ifs, I get it and it's excuses, but if the offensive line was okay and not injured. And if his wide receiver group, you know, between Godart and Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Rieger, if, if all those guys were healthy, 
I believe that Miles Sanders right now would be like we would be talking about rest of the year McCaffrey, Kamara, you know, Sanders, Dalvin Cook. I, I believe, you know, that he would be in the conversation as, as like a, a top, you know, five uh, running back this year. So yeah. to end the year, that's the guy that I want to acquire because if this Eagles offensive line gets healthy and Wentz gets his weapons back and we, we get the the rookie Jalen Rieger who looks like – you know, he looked like he was going to be a playmaker. He was going to be on to a great season this year. Get him back. Get some speed to challenge the defenses and take some of the pressure, you know, where they're not condensing the field, uh, trying to take, you know, Sanders away. You get Godart back. I, You know, I could see Sanders, you know, just second half of the season being a league winner. It's a great call. Joe Dolan put out recently, last five weeks, Carson Wentz is the QB2, and he's dealing with no weapons whatsoever. Absolutely can happen, and it happened last year. Folks, Nelson Souza, amazing job. Numberball.com, mentoring fade list. When he talks, we listen. Just great for fantasy advice. We'll help you win your titles. Gives you so much information here. It was a fantastic hour. Thanks, Nelson. Follow him on Twitter, at the underscore franchise 12. Always a pleasure, my friend. Keep putting those ships on the mantle for flag football, will you? I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio and at randallrant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. The wait is finally over, folks. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win the season. From the game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Go and head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.